Grapple fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Melts of Five Star Project here in the Let Me Tell You Something podcasting network of shows that are all in the same single RSS feed because I'm not made of money. <laughs> I'm your co host, Lorca Mullen, and with me as always is your other co host, Simon Cross. Simon, what match are we talking about today that not only got a five star rating, it got a five and a quarter star rating? A whole extra quarter star, Simon. Well, to quote Mark Morrison, this is the return of the Mac. We have had this very matchup before for this very title before. We are watching Volta defend the NXT UK Championship against Ilya Dragunov at NXT TakeOver 36. So this is a hotly anticipated rematch for what many consider to be the best match of last year. It's certainly the best match of the lockdown empty arena era for my money that I saw last year. I would put it second to uh, Revolution Tag Match. Well, that wasn't in front of an empty crowd. No, well, I meant in 2020 in general. And the reason I said that was because, uh, and if you listen back to that episode, it's because I believe that it was the match that most exploited the environment and played into it and adapted the way that both men wrestled more so than just you doing your same moves complete with gesticulations to the audience that is not there half the time. I was excited to see what it would be like in front of an audience, and I think that that's what put me off officially giving it a five-star rating. I wanted to rewatch it before this match, but I didn't get the chance to. Did you get the chance to rewatch that match? Before? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't intently watching it. I had it on whilst I was doing something else, but conscious of us recording... I did make time to see it again. And what were your thoughts upon rewatching it? I think I appreciate the juxtaposition more between the two matches. The silence does accentuate rather than detract, like it did with so many other matches of that era. The chops are vicious. There's a great reference to Jumbo Saruta on commentary, which I hadn't picked up on first time, or if I had, I'd forgotten that I picked up on it. The character of Ilya Dragunov and his development between the two matches is, is interesting, especially now I've seen recently, like, the most recent one I've watched now is the first one, not the second one. I watched the I watched this match the other day, and now I watched the first match today. It's interesting to see him go from, like, this, like, cold, revved-up cyborg that can't feel pain yeah. to a... Now we're at the start of this match, a, a basically a broken man who's like to rebuild his like mind to get into a place where he can like do what he almost did so many months ago. So I'm going to come right out straight away and say I loved this match. This might be my favorite wrestling match in a long time. Maybe since we started doing the five star projects and we caught up to the five stars this might be up there. The only other one that I've also loved dearly was this year, actually, was the Jay White, Kota Ibushi, Wrestle Kingdom main events. 
Oh, God, yeah. That one more because I felt vindicated for always feeling like there was something special in Jay White. It was no controversial opinion. It wouldn't be a controversial opinion to say that this match was fantastic. I think there's still a few anti-Jay White people out there that are reluctant to praise his work and the sense that they've been worked maybe over the past three or four years. Do you think they're doing it like, to be contrarian at this point? Uh, I think they will if Jay White has another match of that calibre. But Jay White might also take three years of building up deliberately so in how he works his matches in order to pay it off with that match of that quality. Mm. So it'll be a long time to see, really. But that's a distraction. Let's talk about what I love about this match. And I thought I, one of the things I did watch this morning, actually, when I was getting ready for work, was, well, I listened to it, but it was through the YouTube channel, the Jim Cornette discussion of the match. And he also loved this match. He verbalised it, something that I think I I was already thinking that, but he verbalised it better, that if wrestling had not been so influenced by the razzmatazz, if wrestling had stuck to what the territory days were like... Yeah, 30 years ago, pre-Vince... Well, more than 30 years ago, I guess 40 years ago. Where it was all men, tough men and all that. That this match might be where wrestling had gone towards over time. Okay. You could almost see, and it's funny because we brought it up before, more in the aesthetics of Ilya Dragunov, that you can see a direct line between... Luthez and Buddy Rogers match that we watched either after our first or second pick for match of the week and this one Mm. in that this is a very well worked pro wrestling match I think this is a match you could show someone who's not a wrestling fan and they would enjoy it if they were to enjoy any wrestling match there's a chance that this could be one of the ones that they would enjoy because it doesn't give you any real moment to dwell on any silliness or razzmatazz that you might like you might like wrestling for the razzmatazz and not like the rest you know i've got a friend who enjoys everything about wrestling except for the wrestling <laughs> but people who dismiss it for what it is for for believing it to be your spectacle and everything that's not to say there isn't spectacle in this match in that it's telling a story really well it's like how i say how much i love watching bret hart mitsuhara masawa and hiroshi tanahashi because they don't really ever do anything that makes me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. That there's thought in everything that they do. There's a rigour. An intellectual rigour. There's no waste in motion. But there's no waste in motion in a different way to the way there was no waste in motion in the first match. Because my point with the first match was that they did nothing to showboat. Nothing to milk it. Because there's no crowd to affect how they wrestle. Yeah. In this match, there are moments where they would take a breather... And do something towards the crowd. At various moments, Ilya gets fired up looking at the crowd. Or Volta poses in front of the crowd. But it's not for so long that it's like a wasted time and it it would have affected them in the match. It's like that they can factor it in within the process of winning the match. That there's... There are brief moments that they let up that would have felt awkward in a silent arena... So they didn't yeah. do it in the first match. But here, because the crowd is pretty much up for it from the start, they can and they should factor that into their performances. And so that's why, well, that was the one thing that made me re- refrain from giving the first one a definite five stars. I'll, I'll say it right now, I think it's pretty obvious I'm giving this one five stars. 
What I liked about it is in this modern era, uh, in a, let's face it, paper-thin roster in terms of like build-up that NXT UK has, they kept these guys apart for so long after match number one. I think that's really served this match well. Not having it stacked like one or two months after the first one. Like, everything's had, had a chance to breathe. That's obviously, I reckon, in part due to, you know, everything that's gone on in the last two years. But it served the whole process of getting from match one to match two, and therefore match two itself, better. By not having the trigger pulled on it so quickly, like I fear it would have done in a pre-pandemic world i think it would have happened sooner in a pre-pandemic world but i also think that Ilya dragunov after that match would have been seen as the presumptive guy to beat volta for the title yeah and i think that the reason they held it off for 10 months i think i guess around that sort of time was because they wanted to do it in front of a live crowd and we're still not there yet really with nxt uk nor is there that much of a guarantee they'd even pull that big an audience at all for such a, an event. And that's why now, out of the four championship holders there have been in the NXT UK championship lineage, three of those champions won their title at a takeover in America. Mm. I heard an interesting stat, actually, on the uh, Cultaholic Wrestling podcast that... In terms of the belt actually changing hands from an individual to an individual, that hasn't happened in the UK. The only instance where it was won in the UK, it was when Pete Dunne won the inaugural tournament. Tyler Bate won the inaugural tournament. Tyler Bate, sorry. I, I just love Pete so much. Yes, and I don't think that was... That was just a twist of fate, really, as it went on. Especially with this one. I think they would have liked this one to have happened in the UK, but they couldn't get it at that point. It's weird because personally, I think this is the farewell, like this beginning of like this. This will be seen as the farewell notes for NXT UK. I, I personally think when you look at the activity that Nick Khan's been going on and like the recent cuts that have been made, couple that with uh, Piper Niven and Katie Ray's uh, call ups to American based rosters. I think they're going to strip. They're basically about to strip what they can out of it and kill off the division as a whole. I, th- I think they'll honour their deal with BT as best as they can for it, but if they can get out earlier, they will. I think that's very possible that it will happen. I won't say yet that it's likely to happen because there's one thing moving your TV show to a different time slot. Okay, I, I guess I'm a little more assured, in, in my opinion, than you on that count. Listen, I, I feel it is more likely to happen, but... If that is the case, it's one hell of a farewell. This is beautiful. It's not a farewell yet. This isn't the last chapter of it. Because they haven't come close to announcing anything. And something like that's going to take a while to announce. You would assume they'd kill it off at some sort of When Worlds Collide event, if it were to happen. And then bring over all the British talent that they're going to hold on to. Quite possibly. Uh, they could quite possibly care off that way. But we're talking about stuff that's that's all theoretical. Let's talk about what's in the here and now. We are speculating wildly, you're, you're right. But this match, just beautiful, beautiful violence. If I had to sum it up in a phrase. Raw brutality. And it, what I liked about it was Volta in this match. He sold the emotion of fear, but not like fear of his 
opponent in terms of like strength or anything like that. Fear in terms of what my opponent can like survive. It's not like cowardly heel fear, but it's like abject, like it's, it's proper worry on his face, especially towards the tail end of the match. He's like, I don't know if this man can die. But then like you see in his head, he's like, but I have done it before so that it can be done again. Whereas Ilya looks like a man, especially after like two in a row, Torpedo Moscow's, and the kick out happens. He, he is a man who is like, do I have another gear? I, I've got to find out if I've got another gear. Like I, I've spent so long putting my mind in the right place. When the second Torpedo Moscow is kicked out of, it's one of the best kick out responses I think I've ever seen in wrestling. The way he conveys of like, I've worked so hard. What the hell do I do now? I partially agree. I partially disagree with your interpretation of what this match is. What impressed me and what I loved about what this match did was that Ilya Dragunov is the rightful winner of this match pretty much from the start of the match. He's not actually fighting from underneath until very late on in the match. From the start, from the entrance, the whole point is that he's not going to psych himself out of the game. It's almost reminiscent of how Gareth Southgate was able to mould the England team for the last two tournaments to be both passionate but also calmer, more responsive, more tactically mature and coupling that with their innate talents and abilities to get further than they have in any other tournament in recent decades, really. Because I think one of the key moments of the whole story of this match is Ilya removing the red eye contact lenses in the pre-match interview. Yeah. The idea that that red eye thing is him trying to summon some sort of all-conquering, unbeatable creation that doesn't actually exist. He is a man, and so is Volta a man. And Volta is able to dominate him physically, so he can't just fight him will for will. At the start of the match, he has to evade him. He has to avoid him. He never makes mistakes. I think that's the key thing in this match. Dragunov wrestles a perfect match. He just has to pull it all out to beat Volta in the end. And he doesn't do unnecessary sacrifices. He doesn't do stupid, I'm going to kill myself just to stay in the match. When Walter catches him, he ca- you know, like the first big moment that he catches Ilya is he gets him on the top rope and slaps him off and knocks him to the outside. But those sort of bumps that Ilya takes are not that frequent. The chops are fairly rare in this match. Obviously, he's got the pale skin and the two big spots are when he takes the first chop, which is far later in the match than you would expect. Yeah. And the other one is the big chop to the back, which actually psychs him up even more. But what Ilya's doing throughout is he's being clever, he's being calm, he's being measured, he's not taking unnecessary risks. For example, when he puts Walter in the sleep hold towards the end, and Walter climbs up the ropes and falls back, Ilya's not absorbing the entire move in order to keep hold of the sleeper hold, which is classically the thing you do. Like, they never let go of the hold because they're that tenacious. No, 
Dragunov knows this is going to hurt. So he releases the move in mid-flight and falls further back so he doesn't absorb all of Volta's body weight. And then when Volta does it the second time to escape, he's only doing it from a standing point. He's not doing it from the top rope. So Ilya doesn't have enough time to shift his weight. And it's also a smaller enough fall that he can hold on. And then the third time when he reapplies it, Volta knows he can't do it anymore. And that's one of the cleverest points of this match, is Volta tapping almost immediately. Yeah. He doesn't get held in the hold and knocked out, you know, held in until he passes out, which is what happens to Ilya in the first match, which is what always happens to the baby faces. Volta knows he can live to fight another day, but it also plays into the story of Volta being a bully that can't actually take what he dishes out. Which is the only other wrestler that really has that story told about them is Brock Lesnar. But Brock Lesnar always gets to win in the end. And, and for the most part, so does Volta. But Brock Lesnar never portrays fear. Outside, although, to be fair, in his first run, one of the things about Brock Lesnar was that he would tap out. So, yeah. that works as well. Well, with Brock now, it's it's more like the arrogant side of being a bully. If you look at his Survivor Series matches, which I, I love to wax on about, but you're like... The three most notable ones he's done recently are Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, and AJ Styles. And in all of those, the small man like really catches him at one point, whether it's him screaming his like lungs out uh, in the calf crusher, Daniel Bryan's uh, ground and proud, like uh, catching him off guard. Rey, Rey's is different because obviously Dom gets involved and such, but... Never mind. But it's like, ah, oh, this guy can't hurt me. Look how small he is. Whereas with Walter, it's like, I can hit so hard that no matter how much you keep coming, you will stay down. But Illy is not staying down. Illy is like outwitting him. It's not like tenacious where he's like running full force into the wall like he is last time. He's like you say, he's being clever. It's like he spotted a particular brick in the wall. Yeah. And he's hitting that with a precise drop kick. And that will eventually get that one brick down. And then he will go and go for the next brick, which has been significantly weakened. Yeah. And then eventually the war will go down without him killing himself in the process of doing it. Yeah. By, by taking the red contacts out and like humanizing himself. Well, in a way, he's literally taken the red mist away from himself. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's a great way of looking at the contact lens uh, part of the story. Yeah. And it does come back when Volta slaps him on the back. But that's as much it intimidates Volta. Volta is shocked at it. That's the difference I say with Volta over Brock Lesnar. Volta will show fear and will beg off. I've never seen Brock Lesnar beg off in a match. No. And Volta's done that before. He did that with the Jordan Devlin storylines in OTT. In this one, it's when Ilya's about to jump off the top rope and he can't get himself back up, but he's trying to sort of edge away. He's trying to retreat and Ilya does a fantastic leap of such great distance to get to him and hit the move. I just think that this told a different kind of story. If you're to complete this now with a trilogy final chapter, in that match, I think you have to present them as equals, essentially. In the first one, Ilya's the underdog. In the second one, Ilya essentially proved he can beat Volta completely. That it's yeah. not a fluke. It's not pulling it out. It's not holding off. He legitimately completely dismantles, defeats Volta to the point that Volta stays on the ground after his loss and Ilya Dragunov is able to plant his foot on him 
and stand in victory. I think that's key to the story. I think that's going to spark something in Walter. But the thing is, Walter, as well with him tapping immediately, what he's also doing is he's living to fight another day. Yeah. That's the key. But let's also talk about the presentation of the whole match, because let's go back to the start. One of the things it brought back, which I've always loved whenever the WWE have done it, and they've done it from at least back in 1996 is that little sound of when you catch them walking backstage to get to the entrance way. Yeah. And they have that little constant sort of heartbeat riff go dum 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 dum. Like I remember that from the Shawn Michaels Psycho Sid match at 1996 Survivor Series. The steel cage theme. Like when the steel cage is lowered. Yes. But that was that's more about the cage itself. I'm saying it's showing the focus that these two men have for their match coming up. And then we get the tail of the tape for them where they're giving some rundowns of these characters because to a lot of the audience this will be a rare instance of them seeing these guys yeah because if you're not an nxt uk viewer and probably the majority of wwe network subscribers aren't nxt uk viewers and that's a a minority within a minority (laughs) so you have to give them little details like with Ilya, you see the win-loss record doing a bit of well you can say that's ripping off aew but the first season of nxt and I don't know if any of the subsequent ones did, did keep a trout tally of their wins and losses. But what I love as well was one of Volta's intangibles was unbeatable. Literally, they're saying you can't be beaten. That's that's more than an intangible. That's yeah. a cheat code. It should be, he projects an aura. Invulnerability would be uh, the best way of describing it. Which is a little this. weird because Ilya pinned him like two weeks before the first match. Well, that's why I say just describing him as unbeatable is both amusing and wrong. Yeah. So there's there's a few moments of stalling. There's a few moments of, like, there's one moment where Walter really kicks him hard in the back and he plays up to the crowd. Like, he just brags to the crowd. But that that's fine. And it's just a shorter amount of time. The speed with which Ilya Dragunov gets up and hits a superplex on Walter climbing the ropes, I loved. Because it's no wasted motion. Walter doesn't have to climb slowly. And Ilya does not spend ages positioning himself, getting it right in place that, in theory, Volta could have spent that time fighting back. He's got a split second to do it, and he does it. I love that spot so much. I love this match so much. I, I don't want all of wrestling to be like this, but I would like a lot more wrestling to be like this. I would like this to be influential, but I think I think it's too much hard work for most wrestlers to do because it forces you to think. And a lot of wrestlers just want to do the physical elements of it. And you know what else I love about this match? 22 minutes long. Oh, yeah. What I like about this is it links to the point, obviously, that Jim Cornette said, like, if uh, wrestling had stayed, like, big territorial style, this is where it would have ended up. The fact that it hasn't makes this match stand out all the more. And I think that helps it. It is, like, a beacon rather than like one of like Bray Wyatt's fireflies just lost in the shuffle. It, it's, it shines alone. Well, do you think it will be influential? Do you think we'll get more matches like this? I mean, I would not be surprised if Volta's gone when his contract expires. Ilya Dragunov, I can actually see. I could even see Vince quite liking Ilya Dragunov, even though he's not that tall. Mm. I could see him fitting a role similar to the role that he would give Chris Benoit of that rabid pit bull yeah. character that despite their size, they wrestle bigger than they are. And therefore the size differential they might have on the main roster won't look so bad. And I think he'll dig the look. They'll simplify it. They'll 
superstarize it, and they'll make him one of the sh- one of the field. You know, he might get lost in the shuffle like a ricochet. But yeah. I can see him looking at that red eye, the red eyes entrance, the name, the Soviet imagery, and the sculpted physique, mm. and thinking he could do something with him more than I think he would with Volta. Yeah, I dream of seeing Volta going to AEW or going to New Japan or All Japan and really getting to work with the people that will be best for him. And again, not get lost in the shuffle in the WWE, Raw or SmackDown, or even, to be honest, NXT. Yeah. I think with Ilya, he'll do really well because the last time I saw Russian-esque like, uh, character from NXT come up, Rusev had a hell of a run until WrestleMania 31, where it all started to fall apart. Yeah, but Vince Wynn presents Ilya Dragunov any way like you would present Rusev. No, well, no. For a multitude of reasons. No, no. But obviously, like, the, the Russian imagery part of it is... He'll make something of the Russianness. Yeah. Even though he's German, technically. You know, that's where he grew up all his life. Does he even speak Russian? I imagine he does. He probably does. I'm guessing his parent does. So. Yeah. Yeah. When Volta hits that second torpedo Moscow and Volta kicks out, that is the moment of Shawn Michaels, Triple H, oh my god, he kicked out at two, what am I going to do? Moments. Yeah. And that could bother me, but it's also a key tide changing of Ilya, he's done every, he's done the smart thing, but now Italy have equalised and he needs to actually take the rough with the smooth as well yeah and volta trying to work his way back in and brutalize Ilya, but he's probably weakened enough that it's not enough to keep Ilya down were you surprised at the, the suddenness of the finish did you like that or do you think you would think especially with it being like the triple h Shawn michaels school of nxt like the you know what you want to talk about last hurrahs that's what that takeover very well might have been as well of a certain type of nxt the rain's fallen on their their uniforms, their uh, property of WWE Performance Center uniforms, and their color forms. Sean's worried because he; those are the same things he got his mother. <laughs> now this I've got to see. <laughs> She's in the pot. Oh, I know exactly what you're doing there. Uh, did the finish, the quickness of the finish, surprise me? Yes. Did I like it? Also, yes, because it was different. Because it mm-hmm. stood out, and it like it sort of like it worked better being sudden because it had like shock value to it when you see them like roll from like rope to rope to rope you're like ah it's coming whereas this was like oh god it's now i think it makes Ilya look better as well it's just a win-win all around do you think the volta will stay with the wwe i don't know how long his contract's got left if you assume they signed a three-year contract it must be coming up close to that no no i don't put simply um because I- I think uh, NXT UK will be done sooner rather than later. Well, within the next couple of years, NXT UK won't exist. And for a man who doesn't want to live in America, what's the point signing a WWE contract? They won't want him and he won't want to go. Do you think he'd go to AEW, do the pack thing and just fly over quite regularly? Maybe. I'd love to see Walter in the G1. Because uh, a Volta Ishii match would just be ridiculous. It depends really on how independent wrestling recovers post-pandemic. 
Because that was what he was in the independence scene. Yeah, yeah, he was like the final boss. That was literally one of his nicknames. That every promotion would bring him in and usually make him the champ or a special attraction that the biggest star would go up against. If that's financially viable, I can see him doing that. If you've got to play your cards a bit smarter, I could see him, like, maybe, yeah, it'd be a pack-style deal or it'd be, like, a special attraction gaijin in Japan, maybe, uh, whilst boosting his income with independence. But if he can stay fully independent, I think Walter will. And where do you see wrestling going after this match? Do you think this match will influence a lot of people? Or do you think it will always stick out as something different? That if you put it here, if you put this match on in five years' time and rewatch it, will it still stand out as something so utterly different to what is wrestling in twenty twenty six? My hope is by twenty twenty six there's less of a uniform style of wrestling. You're not gonna get that from WWE. I can't see how that's possible because we've watched the whole five star project essentially show the coalescing of all of these disparate parts of pro wrestling coming together into one pretty traditional it's variants of the same theme now even in the wwe it's still high spot focused it's Hmm. just high spots in a in a money in the bank ladder match or or what have you yeah I, i just get a feeling once after this period of uncertainty is over my hunch is like creative minds will seek different avenues like different like nooks and crannies to explore i i I think the fact people have like been sitting around for so long has like made them anxious to explore the world and its options within wrestling so i'm quietly optimistic there will be like an artistic style like there'll be a renaissance coming for wrestling obviously you need business to boom to well thrive to back that up whether it will or not god only knows is it not booming in a certain way right now well, we don't know. Been able to like independence haven't been able to like go back properly yet. So, in a big sense, yes, because obviously WWE's had its like most profitable year. AEW is going from strength to strength, but the grassroots level are where the stars of tomorrow come from. We have to hope that the grassroots come back after this period of uncertainty. Well, we don't know what the hiring practices of the WWE are going to be going forward. We've heard the stories, but we won't know it's going to be like that until we spend a year watching NXT that looks like 2009 FCW. Mm. And some good, good stars came out of FCW, to be fair. so Of course they did. And I can genuinely understand the logic of Vince McMahon's thinking that would make him say that the Triple H super indie version of NXT has run its course. We were always saying, even when NXT was at its best, as, like, the best thing on TV outside of New Japan, where, how is this developing anyone? Who has developed from this, of that period of time? Mm. Like, the guy that looked like he was going to be the big star to come out of this, that would work both in a way that Vince would want and the NXT audience wanted, was Velveteen Dream. And look how that turned out. Wow, yeah, but that's not WWE's fault. Although, like, continuing to run with him. It's not not their fault, in in a certain sense. Yeah, I I know what you're saying, yeah. Do you think there's a decent chance this might be the last five-star match from NXT for a very long time? Unless it's another rematch between these two. Yeah, NXT's going to go through, like, a a cooling off and a rethink. I mean, look at what they're doing to NXT stars before they've even left NXT now, with, like, Karrion Cross and that, so... Yeah, I don't see how a hot storyline gets built now. 
Well, a hot storyline can be something like Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, and Ted DiBiase. Yeah. It just won't be a kind of storyline that also has the potential for incredible matches that could appear in this podcast series. I see what you're saying. I just don't, unless they get like lightning in a bottle, which is possible, or like they they find someone really, really good. I think the glut of NXT five stars is over. There will probably be one at some point in the future, but God knows when. Whereas in the glory days, you go, oh, well, next takeover, probably going to be one there. Next takeover, strong contender there. Well, this has all been very, very optimistic, hasn't it? Ah! But all in all, I mean, are you giving this one five stars, Si? I am indeed. Do you think it might be your match of the year? Yeah, at the minute I can't think of anything that would go up against it. Maybe one of the Shingo Wills, but I'd have to rewatch them. Okay. Well, if people want to give you advice on your watch list to decide what your match of the year will be for 2021, as we enter the autumn years of the year, how can they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of blood vessels burst per second in this match. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A at the end of Ilya. N for the start, or maybe also the end of NXT. That's my Twitter handle, end end in a non-literal sense. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. We have a Patreon if you feel like throwing a few pennies our way, then you can do so by going to patreon.com slash LMTYS. If you haven't had enough of us discussing things tangentially re- related to wrestling, then go to my other podcast, well, my other other podcast, 21st Film, where we delve into the 2000 film about wrestling that was ready to rumble. Oh, yes, we did. Starring David Arquette. And that will be that is also the first of a two part of the second part of which will hopefully be on your let me tell you something feed next week unless there's another five star match in the interim from Dave Meltzer. I don't see any events in the past week or so that might warrant that. He said some very good things about the two recent NWA shows, but I don't think either of them will be troubling the the fifth star or beyond. So, if that is the case, then next week we will be discussing the spiritual sequel to Ready to Rumble, the documentary film You Cannot Kill, David Arquette, about the former WCW World Heavyweight Champion's foray into the world of the indie wrestling scene of the late 2010s. Woo! Including encounters with figures such as Nick Gage and Deathmatch Wrestling. Oh, baby. Oh boy. But until then, there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and a quarter star time. Until the next time. Good